Welcome. 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 You're listening to Built by Us. Built by Us. Built by Us. Built by Us. So my name's Erin. This is my beloved Bear. And we've been together for six years. About six years. In March, it will be six years. Exactly. 23 days. So I'm Erin McClellan, and uh, I live in Raleigh. I've lived here for 20 years. I have two sons. I have a um, 22-year-old and a 17-year-old. I work for the Partnership Funds, and uh, it's a foundation that focuses on building community power and a member of Fertile Ground, a food cooperative. Yeah, I guess that's a, that's a good short introduction of me. My name is Kelvin Gervais. Those who know me best call me Bear. Even those who don't know me best still call me Bear. I'm a native of Southeast Raleigh, born and raised. Been here 42 years of my existence. And I try to uplift Black folks in any way possible that I can use my resources to do. Would y'all be so kind as to tell us the story of how you met and got together? Do you want the truth or do you want Aaron's version? I say you tell your story. The truth? I say you tell the truth. So it's actually a three-day situation. And this is why I said the truth. Or Erin, because she probably won't remember this. But one thing that Erin and I had in common, especially in, in these days of us getting together, is we were both heavy advocating and going to meetings and creating meetings and creating spaces and safe spaces for Black folks and Black individuals to tell their stories as it pertains to police brutality, as it pertains to injustices. Mm -hmm. And it was a period in time where, oddly enough, Aaron was a party to a function that I came to in which I was profiled by one of her Caucasian counterparts. Either way, I I felt uncomfortable after a few more incidences and I left. So the next day, I returned back to work. (laughs) When I was telling a certain individual who happened to know Aaron very well about the situation, you know, this lady was livid. Um, At the time, she was an older lady that really cared for me. And so she was like, I know who had the meeting. I know who, (laughs) who it was. So... She called Aaron and uh, I went to lunch. So when I came back, Aaron and an assistant was sitting in my office. You were sitting there when I got there. I was not. Okay. We were right there. So they the old lady there. called us. We came. You'll have your time. Mm-hmm. I will. And um, we talked. They, you know, profusely apologized. I explained that I know it wasn't her, you know, and um, we exchanged mm-hmm. Facebook information. You know, that's the era in time now. You don't exchange phone numbers. You exchange Facebook information, you know, the old fashioned way. <laughs> old fashioned way. So we exchanged Facebook information. Um, about a day or two went by. And I posted something on Facebook that she responded to. And we had a little back and forth. <laughs> On Facebook, you know, real, you know, nice, nasty situation (laughs) on Facebook. And I had, you know, in between the break, I had um, 
doing something, you know, and I get back to her and I post a comment, but I accidentally post it to her wall. And ooh, look at, see, y'all so young. Y'all was like, ooh, you don't post the wall. <laughs> no, no, you don't do that. That's blasphemy. So I accidentally posted it to her wall in lieu of posting it to the comment strand that we were on. I saw it immediately and went through the process of erasing it. That wasn't enough for this one. <laughs> All right. So she inboxes me like, hey, dude, listen, you know, we can have all the conversation <laughs> you want to have about it. We can disagree, but you don't have to post to my wall and da 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 And, and, and you know, we should be He's able to respect each other's opinion. And I, you know, I simply was like, hey, listen, totally agree. It was, it was an accident. I was meaning to do it into the conversation, but it went on your wall. But if you won't smoke, I know how to rub sticks together. <laughs> that was that was the, that was the gist of it. All right, and, and if you want to meet me somewhere and talk about this, we could talk about it because, like, you're not just about to say anything to me because you're a ferocious little lady. Okay, <laughs> I still have these to this day, these DMs, and. When I said, you know, we can meet and discuss it, you know, she immediately sends back the hard eyes. I was thrown off. Oh, okay. She was shooting a shot, okay? Uh, I was unaware because I'm, you know, and man, everybody tell this, I'm thick-headed. I'm thick-headed. You know, you got to blatantly come out and tell me, hey, you and I, yeah. You know, so I'm like, oh, this this little, she thinks she hot. She, yeah, we can meet then. So I'm like, like, you don't scare me, blueprint lady. All right, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so we set up a time. We set up a time. And it was March 25th, six years ago. And we met at Mr. Wonderful's Chicken and Waffles. And I got there and she was already there and she was sitting in, with her back to the door in the middle of the restaurant. And I was like, who sits here? <laughs> and, um, she had a long yellow flowing sweater with gray pants. How about that? The pockets real low to the ground in the front of her. And so we um, began to con converse and we met. It was at 1230 that afternoon. And we stayed at Mr. Wonderful's Chicken and Waffles until he closed at 10 o'clock talking. And we left from Mr. Wonderful's Chicken and Waffles at 10 o'clock and went to Ruby Tuesdays and stayed there until two o'clock when they wouldn't serve drinks anymore talking. I paid for the Mr. Wonderful. She bought the drinks at Ruby Tuesdays. But um, we actually were together literally 13 and a half hours on our first unofficial, unofficial official conversation. day. And so we literally were together every day for about 30 days straight and we just hung out that's it talk went to bars went out to eat laughed a billion she has never known anybody as funny as me y'all see that now you know yeah y'all see that so i was at mr wonderful's that day for sure that was the first day my favorite thing about Bear, my favorite thing about Bear, 
My favorite thing about Bear is that he taught me what love is. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like I, um, before Bear, I thought I knew what it was to be loved by a man, but I didn't. Mm. And that's true. And every day, you know, he shows me. Now, not every day. I would say every other day for sure, because some days he gets mad at me, you know, show me. But, <laughs> but every 24 to 36 hours, he's showing me. And uh, yeah, that's, a, that's what I love the most. That's what I love the most. And then um, second, that would be his love for Black people, his love for people and for the community, animals. And um, I think I love that it's um, entrepreneurial. They can always think of a way to get something done and that he works very hard. So those are some of the things. I mean, there's other things, but I would, I would start with those things. The thing that I've always even told Aaron that I love about her is that um, we didn't come up the same. We came up literally opposite sides of the spectrum. So it's always something I learned from her, whether it's the name or the taste of a wine or what cheese goes with what, or a new restaurant or the name of clothing or a big word. Um, I always, I always, even when she doesn't know it, um, from, from the, from the beginning, I, I, I just learned so much. She's just totally different. Not even just from people I've dated, you know, not even just relegating it down to intimate relationships. I mean, just the caliber of people I was accustomed to growing up being around and, you know, limited knowledge versus a whole new culture, a whole new culture of black people, you know, and she displays that, you know, intentionally and she'll say something and I'll be like, what? what? Like nobody eats that or we just have so many different you know, but I, when I say that, it's actually like me respecting a total opposite side of the spectrum that, and when I say opposite, y'all, I mean, I'm talking about like totally opposite side of the spectrum that we were accustomed to, you know, from childhood to a lot of even adult situations, you know, totally different. So... It's the fact that I'm comfortable with learning from her. I would definitely, I'd name myself a cooperative developer. I believe in developing cooperatives. So I'm heavy into that, which is, I don't know if RPL all familiar with cooperatives, but essentially they're organizations that are structured differently than nonprofits. You buy in, you own a share, you pay economically to participate, you own a share and they're, they're governed democratically, one person, one vote. So it's a shared governance model for community-based organizations and co-ops can be anything. So that's one of the things that's really important to me is developing cooperative organizations and structures where, um, people can govern the organizations together. So you talk about building community and that I, I, I'm completely about community building, but I, I have a real specific view of what that looks like after doing it for a number of years in a way that people have the power at the end of the day. I've seen a lot of community building. I feel like it's actually just building nonprofits. It's not building community. 
So I say I was a cooperative developer for sure. And then um, I just like to support people to grow their own leadership. I really do believe in helping grow the number of people who feel like they can be agents of change. Um, I think I'm somebody who's trying to eliminate nihilism, the sense that there's nothing to be fighting for and nothing to fight about and that we've already lost, which is really a lot of people feel that way right now. And so I believe in helping people find their own sense of power. I believe everybody has power. Um, you don't give people power, they have it. It's a matter of them seeing it in themselves and figuring out how to use it um, effectively. Um, and I believe in helping people to do that. So that's really important to me. And a lot of people spend a lot of time doing that kind of work too. For me, speaking for me, for I don't, I don't, you know, give myself titles. Anything I've ever, any attribute I've ever held was always handed to me, even bare. So I the I do what is required at the time, whatever it is. If it's in the vein of organizing, that's going to be it. If it's in the vein of physical work to move, the, that's going to be it. If I'm just driving the food to a destination point so folks can eat, that's going to be it. If it's coming up with an idea and a strategy to do, that's going to be it. Um, I don't, I don't, me personally speaking for me, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what to call myself. I don't know what to name myself because I just accept what my elders say about me what my elders is the most important, you know, what my elders say about me and, and, how, and, and the young ones. I believe that community is judged by how you treat your elders and your youth, you know? So if my youth, you know, call me uncle, which is what they do, Uncle Bear, you know, and that's, you know, just youth and community and everywhere. And my elders, you know, call me, he's a leader. He's what, you know, I, I just accept what it is at the time, mm. but I don't, I don't honestly, I'm just bare. You know, I would say too, he wouldn't describe himself, but I would say he's definitely a journalist, like somebody who helps our community understand what's going on and shares information with people. And that's really important because we don't have a lot of institutions that share information with black people for black people. We have other institutions that do it on behalf and all the other kind of stuff, but it's like by us and for us, we don't have enough of that and need more of it. And then also like just somebody who builds an economy for black people and their businesses and our businesses and centers that and grows that as a priority and encourages other people in that way. Let's say that you do that too, you wanna, I would say that's like a lot of- Whatever it's called for. Yeah, what we need to. So our, our outcome is the same. What is our outcome? Our outcome is ultimate liberation mm -hmm. for Black people. I share. All right. But our path for it is not always aligned. Um, we have different, we have different views, strongly opinionated different, you know, views. I think our destination is the same. I also think there's a lot of paths. I don't think there's one path. I don't believe in the binary. I don't believe in like the yes, no. I don't believe in the, you know, I believe that there are a lot of different ways to make things happen. And part of what white supremacy culture and colonized practice does is make us think there's only one way or only this way or only your way. And um, I think that's it sometimes. Sometimes I'm seeing that there are other ways or not agreeing, or maybe not even clearly seeing like the same things. 
But I, what I will say though, and I do want to say this, I think it's important to say is that when we met, I would have thought about liberation being, uh, I, I wouldn't have thought necessarily about how to do it in economy and think about black businesses as being really important to that. I mean, to my, before I met Bear, I thought they were important, maybe like 30%. 25%, but now I realize, well, maybe it's more like 75%. Like maybe it's much more important to our liberation than I realized. And I didn't come to that understanding on my own. So there are some ways that my understanding of what we need has grown. So where I might've disagreed with some things in the past and still disagree with some things now. The other ways where I can acknowledge, well, actually, you know, he's right about this. A piece of advice. And and this is I'm being I'm being so sincere. This is no joke. Mm -mm. No physical contact. First 30, 33, 30, whatever days. It's longer. Like you can do that. Every question you would ask your wife or your husband, ask, I believe in asking on the first date. If I'm not willing to share this information with you and you and and we all we're adults so you know we're talking about adult dating not teenagers so as adults if he doesn't want to answer about his relationship with his child's mother questions that you were genuinely concerned about or whatever the case you know like I, those are red flags to me like you should be able to be open because you don't, I, I don't believe in dating for fun. Like I use, I believe in dating for a purpose. And these are things I'm going to have to know anyway. So a lot of stuff I need to know up front, but sometimes, you know, in especially our younger culture, man, we get, we get physical and physical and physical takeover. And before you know it, we just fell in the relationship because of physical. And it's like, you got to know that person, If you, you know, you got to know so much. So take those days when that person attracts you in that manner, then take that time to find out about that person before you, mm -hmm. yeah, I would suggest that. Don't do physical, put a time limit on it. Do 60 days, do 90 days, you know, realistic, you know, do do whatever before you before you do physical and, and, and really deal with each other, rock with each other. Yeah, My advice would be, I would offer know what you want. Um, you want companionship? Are you lonely? Do you want somebody to help you grow your businesses? Is it a business agreement that you want? Know what you want and know where you want to go. And these are like some of the things that um, so that when you're picking somebody to be with, you're heading in the general direction that you want to go in. Um, you know, relationships are commitments you choose every day. I, I believe that. I don't believe like I'm, I chose like, I'm gonna be in this relationship, but every day I'm making a choice to consciously like be president. And some days my presence is better than others, but like you, you choose every day. So I feel like if you know you're making a choice every day, then when there's an opportunity for you to do something wrong, you know, or like some disloyal or some out of, out of your character, like you choosing that. You know, um, so we're choosing, so we're choosing love, we're choosing each other every day, or I'm choosing every day, I'm in this every day. That's what I'm doing every day. And it's important to be aware that it's, it's a conscious decision 
so that you can be present to it versus it's something you're just doing. Because I feel like in my past, I might be, I ought to call it a situation chips. Where I'm just, it's an activity. I'm picking up the phone, I'm texting, I'm responding. Maybe I'll eat, maybe I won't, whatever. That's different than saying, okay, I'm choosing this every day. It's a different intention. And to me, it makes it like that I'm really doing this versus having something happen to me, like being in a relationship that I'm, I'm choosing to do this every single. So even if I get mad, this is my choice. I chose today. I chose still choose. I'm choosing this. I'm choosing this. And there's a lot and, and being really thoughtful about it, too, um, makes it easier to make that choice. We sort of we sort of get used to any things that don't serve us. We sort of get conditioned. We condition ourselves to not even work through anything trying to like holding on and actually weeding out and then recognizing that oh, she's right. I am supposed to be doing it. Like that's, that's unheard of. That's unheard of in this. Oh man. Also trained to be individuals. Yeah. And so the culture is teaching us that we don't need each other, that we can't be dependent on each other, mm-hmm. that we can't keep our commitments to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we're better off by ourselves and it's easier that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah and a lot of that is lies and then our trauma because we experience it that way too you know I was thinking this morning as I was thinking I was just thinking about like um um all my experiences before bear were I they weren't pleasant so you know if I've been trained through my experiences to protect myself then you know, then you enter a relationship where you don't need to protect yourself, but you're still like, are you sure I need to work? Are you sure you, you know, it takes a long time to be like, oh, actually, well, I don't need to, it took me a long time to bring my guard down to my chest, much lower to then to my stomach and to my knees and such. I got one other thing too. I believe this. I don't know. I don't believe it's Bear's job to make me happy. I believe it's my job to know what makes me happy. It's his job to take, you love me, take care of me. He does all kinds of things that make me happy. Don't get me wrong, but it's like my existence as a human being is not his job to provide that kind of happiness for me. Like I gotta be, um, I gotta love myself too. You know, you know, it's like the sort of, it's also a way of saying it's not his job to put self-love into me. I should be loving myself, right? And so I, and I, I feel like I have been in the past in places where I thought that the man was supposed to do all of those things for me or the person who's a partner was supposed to do all that. That's not their job. And so, you know, I would also offer that we um, really be, need to be clear about our expectations of what love and happiness are supposed to be and where you're supposed to get that from inside of yourself because you can't give from an empty cup and you shouldn't expect somebody to give you and you an empty cup like that. You gotta work on that. Black love to me uh, is exactly that. The love of black. There are a lot of people at this point in our life who don't even like classifying themselves as black and don't like using the term black. Now, and I feel it's important for me to explain this because it goes and ties into my answer. Um, I utilize the term black to supersede any European created borders. So when I say black, I'm talking about the aboriginals of Australia. I'm talking about the Afro-Mexicans. And, and, and we have to have this term because Jamaican doesn't mean black. African doesn't mean black. There's nothing that connects 
the original people of this earth to each other. I haven't found a word for it. And when I talk about liberation, I don't limit myself, as I said, to these shores. And when I talk about love, I don't limit myself to these shores. So when I say black love, that's exactly what I mean. The love of black folks on every body of land between everybody and water without European definition. Mm. Yeah, I mean, all of that. And um, I I'm a part of an organization called Bold Black Organizing for Leadership and Dignity. And I joined them in 12. Uh, 2012. And we were at a meeting, a lot of meetings, but that is actually the place where the conversation about Black love started in our movement in the way that it is now. So we would say Black love at the end of every movie, Black love on our emails. This is like over a decade ago, they were lifting that up. And now this is a U.S. kind of organizing context, but to me, when I started in that organization before as I always loved black people, but I didn't understand black love to be the answer to our liberation. Um, and that our love for ourselves and our love for each other is the answer to our liberation. And our practice of that love is the answer to everything. And um, I also understood there that people around the world, other black people around the world were waiting for the black people in the United States to get it together and understand our role, you know, in standing alongside everybody else in the diaspora. Um, I think Black love is Black people being safe and in their full dignity, being able to walk anywhere in this country and not be scared that the police will kill us or some vigilante will kill us and have that fear. Like Black love is the absence of that. Black love is the absence of, you know, racism and the absence of um, colonized practices against us. And um, Black love is like happy Black children everywhere. Um, I think about it's like uh, singing and it's our culture, it's our music. It's actually everybody understanding that Black people in this country and Black people around the world have basically, you know, we're the beginning of all things. And certainly in this country, invented more things than most people even understand. Like if you actually understood the contributions of Black people in the U.S. and the contributions of Black people around the globe, there would be no question. And then I say that Black people show love every day by living in this country in their own dignity because of the things that have been done to us um, and that we haven't returned them in the way that they have been done to us shows that we actually are like embody what love is as a people in this country and we're the soul of this country. Black love, Black love is everything to me, everything. with us on social media you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram at democracy nc or you can visit our website at democracync.org